series today called Walking with the Wise, and I'm excited and a little bit uncertain. I haven't, uh, I haven't preached through the book of Proverbs before, so this will be some, some new territory for us uh, as a church, uh, new territory for me as a, as a preacher uh, Hebrew wisdom uh, is a little bit different than other parts of the Bible, as we're going to see, and so this is going to be a new adventure, and like any new adventure, uh, there's excitement and also some nervousness. So, uh, but let's, uh, if, you, if you have a Bible, turn with me to the book of Proverbs. Uh, the book of Proverbs comes right after Psalms, uh, and if you're using the Bible that's there in the chair in front of you, uh, it should be on page 527. And we're going to read uh, the, just the first seven verses of the book of Proverbs to give us an introduction to this book, but also to the series on wisdom and what it means to walk with the wise. So let's give our attention to God's word. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight to receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray and ask for his help in receiving it. Lord, as we've just sung, you invite weary sinners to come to you, not only for salvation, not only to forgive us, but also to train us. You invite us to hear your words, and, and the beauty of your grace, Lord, is not only are you willing, uh, but you are able. And so, Lord, as we come again to your word, we pray that you would make us willing to receive it, that you would open our eyes to behold wonderful things in your word, and that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our Redeemer. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So why this series? Why are we going through uh, the book of Proverbs? And Lord willing, after this, uh, as we reach the end of the summer, we'll also move into the book of Ecclesiastes, which is also a wisdom book, but gives wisdom from a different perspective. Um, but why are, why are we doing this? Why this series on wisdom? I want you to listen to these words from T.S. Eliot. He's an American poet uh, in the first half of the 20th century. And he writes this. Where is the wisdom we have lost in knowledge? Where is the knowledge we have lost in information? Can you tell what he's saying? Uh, that in all, of, in all of the information we have, this glut of information that we have available to us, we've really lost true knowledge. 
And in fact, in all of the, the knowledge that we think we possess, we actually have lost wisdom. Uh, we've lost knowing what to do with that knowledge. Now, here's the interesting thing about what Eliot writes. T.S. Eliot died in 1965. That means he never asked Siri a question. He never Googled anything. He didn't even know what Wikipedia was. But already, in the first half of the 20th century, he was seeing the trend that the more informed, right, the more information we get, that doesn't necessarily make us wise. We lack wisdom. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes these words uh, in his letter to the Ephesians, Ephesians 5, verse 15. He says, look carefully, pay attention to how you walk, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, what's interesting about that is that maybe you're in the camp that would say, man, things are worse than they've ever been. World's just falling apart. That you know, oh, oh, for the good old days. I want you to. That was the, we're saying that in the 21st century. Paul was writing in the first century, and what did he say about his days? They were evil. And what was Paul's encouragement to the church in those evil days? In those days where people did not acknowledge God as God. He said, "Redeem the time. Make the best use of your time." And how how did he encourage them to do that? By walking as wise people. We need wisdom. And the good news is, another Bible writer tells us where we can find wisdom. Another New Testament writer, James, says this in James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask his friend who's in the same station of life who knows nothing. He doesn't say that. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him so if we want wisdom god gladly gives it without reprimand without correction all we have to do is ask and so this morning we're going to enter into wisdom's school and we're going to spend the next few months here but if we're going to the school, we need to ask some questions. There's a few questions we're going to answer this morning. I think that verses 1 through 7 answer for us. First, what is this book of Proverbs? What is this introduction to wisdom's school that we're going to be looking at? Second, what can we learn? Or what does wisdom aim to teach us? And then third, where do we begin? Where do we begin? So first, what is this book? What is this book of the Proverbs? Uh, it t tells us right there in verse 1 that these are the Proverbs of Solomon. What's a proverb? Well, you probably are familiar with some of these, right? A, a proverb is, is typically a short little saying. Uh, and in the Bible, these short little sayings, they teach us about reality. All right? They, they tell us what the world is like. So uh, imagine a proverb is something like a, a small gem that you would pick up in the mine of truth. And as you, as you pick it up and you bring it under the light, you, you take some time to reflect on it, turning it over in your hand, looking at it from different angles. That's what, that's what proverbs are designed to do, right? They're designed to slow us down and make us think. 
and make us consider what reality is like, what uh, reality is like in God's world. Um, now, but we have to, as, as we do that, there's some things we need to say that Proverbs are not. First, Proverbs are not laws. Proverbs are not commands. They are not uh, do this, don't do that. Um, Proverbs rather take God's commands, they take God's laws, and they massage them into daily life. Proverbs helps us think about how to apply God's commands in normal, everyday living. So if God's law says do not commit adultery, Proverbs shows us how to carry that out, gives us some insight into how we can follow that command. Proverbs are also not promises. And oftentimes we apply Proverbs in this way, and it's detrimental to us. Oftentimes we come to Proverbs and we just simply view them as a cause and effect. If I do this, then this will happen. But that's not how Proverbs are designed to work. Many a parent has been grieved over Proverbs 22.6. It says this, Train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And if you approach that proverb like it's a promise, you end up bitter. You end up disappointed because you think to yourself, well, you know, you know what you think. What, what went wrong? I did everything right. Why didn't God keep his promise? Well, that's not what proverbs are for. What, what a proverb is, what that proverb is saying, it's, a, it's an observation about the ideal. It's not promising a certain outcome. What it's saying is, normally, if you give your children a compelling example to follow, if you teach them well, then, Lord willing, they will follow along that same path. But we know that life doesn't always turn out that way. That we zig when we should have zagged. And we didn't know it at the time. So things don't always go the way that we'd like them to or the way that we plan to. So don't, let's, let's not flatten out the Proverbs and make them simple consequences and cause and effect. That's not what they are. They're short sayings that are designed to help us think and to live wisely. That's what Proverbs do. Uh, this book of Proverbs was written by and collected by, so Solomon wrote some of these, but he also collected the wise sayings of others. Solomon was David's son. You may have heard of King David. Solomon uh, followed him, and he was the wisest king in Israel. And if you go back and you read his story, you'll see that he got his wisdom from asking God. That of all of the things, right, God said, um, give, I'll give you whatever you ask, and Solomon asked for wisdom. And Solomon ruled with great wisdom. And it transformed the kingdom. It was a golden age in Israel's history. Uh, expansion, trade, building, right? It was a golden age under Solomon's wise leadership. And he writes this book and collects these sayings to train those who would follow him. This would have been given to young men in the Israelite court, nobility. It would have been given to those training leaders. But as we're going to see, there's also words in here from father to son and mother to son or daughter, right? So anyone who seeks to be in the position of a teacher or a leader would do well 
to understand Proverbs. Anyone who wants their, uh, their children to grow up uh, as, as wise. So that's what this book is. What do we hope to gain from it? What can we learn here? Well, the, this beginning gives us uh, five two statements. You see them right there in the text. Uh, we're going to group these under two headings. Ray Ortland groups these under two headings. He says, Proverbs does, has primarily two goals. One is to shape our character. The other is to shape our thinking. Wisdom shapes our character and wisdom shapes our thinking. So there, uh, that first statement, to know wisdom and instruction. What is wisdom? What does the Bible mean when it talks about wisdom? And here's the definition that we're going to run with through this whole series. Wisdom is the skill of living well in God's world. And each one of the parts of that sentence are important. Uh, wisdom is the skill. How do you acquire skill? You have to learn it. It doesn't come naturally. Wisdom is the skill of living well. So Proverbs applies, wisdom applies to daily life. In God's world, God is the one who orders the world. He is the one who gives wisdom. Wisdom is the skill of living well in God's world. In other words, it's truth with feet on it. Wisdom is living the truth in a way that makes your life attractive. Proverbs 4.9 says that if you pursue wisdom, she will give you a beautiful crown. Because you can know the truth. And you can keep all the rules and still be really ugly about it. That's not wisdom. Wisdom takes the truth and makes it beautiful in your life. Makes it attractive so that others will say, tell me more. That's what wisdom aims to do. And wisdom is coupled with instruction. The word here is discipline or correction. I know that we often, uh, I don't know many people who say, yes, I like to be corrected. I like to be disciplined. But that's how we grow in wisdom. None of us comes to wisdom naturally. None of us, uh, none of us is born wise. I know that might come as a shock to you, a surprise, but it's true. None of us is born wise. We have to learn it. We have to be disciplined. We need discipline and correction if we're going to gain wisdom. And then he says this, to receive instruction in wise dealing or, a better way to say this would be skillful living. And what does that skillful living look like? He describes it as righteousness, justice, and equity or uprightness. So the wise person understands that there is a moral order to the universe. Wisdom has a moral component. The wise person understands that there is a righteous God, that he establishes a, a righteous order and the wise person seeks to live in that order. And not only that, but this person, the, the wise person is beneficial to the community around her. She pursues equity and justice. I love what uh, Bruce Waltke, a commentator, says. He says, the righteous are willing to disadvantage themselves to advantage the community. The wicked are willing to disadvantage the community to advantage themselves. Wisdom, as we learn wisdom, we grow in righteousness and justice and equity. Not only 
Are, are we beneficial to ourselves, but also it leads to the flourishing of other people? He says to give prudence. Uh, prudence is shrewdness, cleverness, cunning, think strategy, right? You can know what it takes to win a football game, but lack shrewdness. Right? I know what it takes to win a football game. You take this ball, you move it down that field, and you put it in that end zone. Lots of times. More times than your opponent does, right? That's, that's what it takes to win. That's the knowledge it takes to win. But the clever person develops a strategy for how to make it happen, develops a good offense and a good defense, right? That's what wisdom does. Knowledge. You can't have knowledge. I mean, you can't have wisdom without knowledge. You have to know things, but knowing things is not enough. We also need discretion, discretion, being able to evaluate and think through a situation, uh, being, being able to evaluate temptations and avoid them, right? That's what that's what discretion is. Knowing, for instance, that the end cap in a grocery store is designed to make you buy stuff, right? I used to have a, I have a friend in Atlanta um, who every time we would go to the store and we would go to the cash, cashier's line, he would always grab a, a pack of gum, even though we were just here yesterday. Like he just always got him a pack of gum. It's like, I mean, it's here. It's like, Jamie, you're the reason they invented this, Right? Discretion is that internal thought process that says, hmm, I know what this person is after, and I'm going to aim to not be fooled by it. All right? Um, he says to give prudence to the simple. Who are the simple? The word, uh, think gullible, easily misled, uncommitted, open to going any way, whatever works best. Uh, it's not the fool the fool is somebody who is hardened to wisdom and rejects wisdom. And we'll talk more about the fool. Uh, the simple person is just someone who is easily misled. They're, they're not a fool yet, but if they don't choose the path of wisdom, they will be. Which is why in this verse it's parallel to the young. I apologize if you're young and you are offended by that. But the idea is that you need to grow in wisdom. Uh, that being young does not make you an expert in anything. In fact, the older I get, the realize I'm an expert in almost nothing. Which is why in the very next verse, in verse 5, he even addresses the wise. He says, let the wise hear and increase in learning. What he's saying is, you never leave wisdom school. Now, some of you just graduated and you're like, oh. Gosh, I just finished school. I don't really want to go back, right? Uh, but this is a different school. You never leave wisdom school. You're always, the, the wise person is always growing in wisdom. They're all, this, is a, this is a growing community, right? To always grow in wisdom. In fact, that's really what it means to be wise, is to always be putting yourself in the position of humility, realizing I don't know everything I think I know. I need to obtain more. I need more wisdom. Right? So we want to reject gullibility, and em but embrace humility. Gullibility is, is not committed to anything. It's easily misled. We don't want to be that kind of open-minded. But we do want to be in a humble position where we can receive the truth. So that's how wisdom shapes our character. How does wisdom shape our thinking? 
Look again at verse 2. He says, to understand words of insight. We observe. We reflect. We ask questions. We seek to gain understanding. Right? The, the wise person rejects the desire to give his opinion or hot take before he gains some insight, before he gains some understanding. It's one of the reasons why wisdom is so crucial for us, because we live in the age of hot takes and quick opinions. If I can say it, it should be said. If I think it, I must get it out of my head onto a keyboard. Friends, that is not the path of wisdom. The path of wisdom slows down, considers, thinks, meditates, asks questions. In verse 6, he says, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. In other words, the wise person listens to other wise people. He seeks uh, later on, in fact, it's where our, um, the title for the series comes from, Walking with the Wise. The wise person walks with other wise people, and he listens to them. She listens to other wise people. The fool listens only to himself and to other fools. So that is what we hope to gain from wisdom. Now, where do we begin? Well, Solomon tells us, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. What what is the fear of the Lord? Do we mean abject terror? Oh no, here comes God, he's going to get me, he's going to smite me, right? Is that what we mean by fear of the Lord? No, what we mean by fear of the Lord is is this combination of love and awe. One commentator put it this way. He says that affectionate reverence, affectionate reverence by which the child of God bends himself humbly and carefully to his father's law. That's that's what it means to fear the Lord, that reverential respect, that uh, affectionate reverence by which we bend ourselves to our father. That's the fear of the Lord. In other words, the fear of the Lord is recognizing God as God. That's the beginning of true wisdom. Recognizing God as he is, as he has declared himself to be in his word, that he is God and I am not. C.S. Lewis wrote this in Mere Christianity. He says, in God, you come up against something which is in every respect immeasurably superior to yourself. Unless you know God as that, and therefore know yourself as nothing in comparison, you do not know God at all. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. And so we begin in wisdom by looking up, by acknowledging in humility that he is God. It is his universe. He has ordered it. And I am simply his child. I simply listen to him. Solomon says the fear of the Lord is the beginning 
That doesn't just mean uh, the door in which we cross through and head on to something else, but rather it means foundational, right? Everything goes up from here, but it never leaves here. It's, it's not horizontal, it's vertical. Like learning the alphabet is the beginning of reading and then writing. Like learning musical notes is the beginning of performing an opera. So fearing the Lord is the beginning of true wisdom and true understanding. And this also helps us to evaluate other wise voices. Uh, I was listening to a podcast uh, by Andrew, not Andrew Peterson, Jordan Peterson, philosopher, a voice that you may be familiar with, uh, and he has a number of good things to say. And yet, at least as he can, as he has so far revealed, Jordan Peterson does not fear the Lord. Uh, he, is a, he is a Darwinist. He believes in uh, social evolution, right? And so even when we hear other wise voices, that they're, they're, maybe parts of their wisdom agree with ours, we still have to evaluate them on this foundation. Do they fear the Lord? Because that's where true life-giving and life-saving wisdom is found. And as I mentioned earlier, this is why, we, why it's important that we gather to worship every week. Because we need to be reminded. We need, we need to carve out this time to be reminded that God is God and we are not. And that he is the one who orders and maintains the universe. He is our wisdom. And if you would know the true fear of the Lord, then you need to look no further than Calvary's cross. Because the wisest man who ever lived, his enemies were never able to catch him in a, in a verbal trap or a thought trap. He even said that his wisdom exceeded that of Solomon. His name is Jesus, the wisest man who ever lived. And while Solomon taught wisdom, the New Testament tells us that Jesus is God's wisdom. That he, is, he alone is the wisdom from God. And if you would find true wisdom, if you would really want to fear the Lord, then the place you must begin is the cross of Calvary. Because the wisest man who ever walked the face of the earth hung there. And he hung there to invite fools to come to him. Jesus hung on the cross to invite fools like us, like you and me, to come to him and to learn wisdom. I pray that you believe that this morning. Amen. Steve, would you come up and pray for us?